Good morning. Uh, my name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here. And let me be the first, I guess, to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I cannot believe Thanksgiving is Thursday already. And uh, so I'm excited about that. I like that holiday a lot. And uh, I thought I'd share just some of the things that are essential on Thanksgiving for the Schulers. Uh, the number one essential for us is family time. So having that time off of school and off of work and uh, being together, giving thanks together, hanging out together, uh, relaxing, enjoying the day together, family time number one. Now, there's also football on. And uh, my wife might not put that on her list of essentials on Thanksgiving, but it's definitely on mine. Love to be able to kick back, even if it's on in the background, catch a game or two, hang out with family, kick your feet up, watch a little bit of the football games. And the third essential at our house, probably with you as well, is of course the food, all right? And we love the traditional turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, and of course all the leftovers on Friday. And so those are some of the things that we're all about on Thanksgiving, and we hope you have a happy and a blessed one. Now, let me make the turn. We've been in a series here called uh, Summit Values, and we've been talking about things, ready, that are essential to our church, things that are central, things that we're all about, not just on Thanksgiving, but all the time. And so Pastor Tim has already shared uh, over the last few weeks the core values of preaching boldly and worshiping authentically and praying dependently. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to share the core value of uh, witnessing courageously. Okay, witnessing courageously. So go ahead and grab your Bible there. And I want you to turn to 1 Peter 3. And uh, that's going to be right after the book of James and right before, of course, 2 Peter about three-quarters of the way into your New Testament. First Peter is where we're going to be. If you want to just land on chapter 3, um, we're going to start in verse 8 in a moment. But if you're taking notes, I want to give you the first point, and it's this. Live to be a blessing, not to get even. Live to be a blessing and not to get even. And so as we begin this passage, we're going to be actually in verses 8 to 17, um, I want to give you the main idea of these verses and this passage before us. And I simply wrote this down. The main summary or the idea of where we're going is, is, would be to live for Jesus Christ with all you got, even when life is really hard, and always be ready to lovingly share your faith with everyone. Okay, that's going to kind of be the broad stroke of where we're going. Live for Jesus Christ with all you got, even when life is really hard, and always be ready to lovingly share your faith with everyone. And so that's the plan, and that's the thread you'll see as we talk about witnessing courageously. This is definitely going to be a live it, share it type of message because that's what we get from these verses. All right, so go to verse 8. And you can see it says there, finally, all of you, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let me give you some context as we kind of really jump right into, into the middle of this book written by uh, Peter. All right, This is the Apostle Peter. This is one of the twelve disciples, Peter. This is uh, Peter, James, and John, Peter. Okay, one of the ones that were very close to Jesus and walked with Jesus very intimately through his life. And so Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 8, finally. Okay, that's the first word that we're going to look at, finally. Now, he's not about to finish the letter. He still has a lot that he wants to share. But what he's doing here is he's finishing with this word finally, he's finishing a thought. He wants to kind of close down this section before he picks up another section and another thought. And so this word finally is attached all the way back. You could just write down chapter 2, verse 11. It goes all the way back that thought, back that far. And where he tells his audience back in chapter 2, verse 11, to remember, as Christians, to remember that we're strangers and exiles living in this world. Church, here's the thing. This is not our home. We are citizens of heaven, the Bible says. And so we are exiles and we're foreigners living in a land that's not our final destination. Look, I'm a renting alien, basically. I'm a stranger here in some aspects. And so Peter's helping encourage his audience, these Christians here, to live on this earth in a way that that honors God, that makes much of Jesus Christ. You could say it this way, to live as a Christian, to live undeniably different, to live uh, for Jesus Christ as Lord. And so Peter, all through chapter 2 into chapter 3, which is where we're going, he speaks to the audience now as they live as strangers and exiles in this world. He's telling them how to live under the government as a Christian, chapter 2. How to live as a slave as a Christian, chapter 2. How to live as a wife as a Christian, chapter 3. How to live as a husband as a Christian, chapter 3. And now, finally, everybody say finally. That's why he uses the word, you see. Finally, he now speaks to all of you. See it? Finally, all of you. Meaning he now turns his words of encouragement to all of the church. To every single Christian that will get their hands on this letter. Finally, all of you, and look up here, all of you, right? Finally, all of you, verse 8, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Before I break these words down, I want you to do something. If you look in your bulletin, I put some bullet points there in your notes. I have five of them for you. And what I want to do is I want to use those bullet points as headings for you to kind of follow along as we walk through verses 8 to 12. This is going to help us see how this all goes together. Uh, As you can imagine, Peter has a thought. He has a lot of amazing truth here. This all goes together, and so what I want us to do is organize it in order to be able to grasp it. That was helpful for me this week. So to organize all of this with these bullet points in order to grasp it. And so you'll see uh, different uh, points for these bullet points coming up on the screen. And the first bullet point then I want you to write down that'll pop up here is the attitude. All right, there's going to be four more 
two on that front side and two on the back side of your notes. But the first bullet point there underneath uh, live to be a blessing and not to get even is the attitude. And all of this is going to help us see how this amazing truth goes together. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now I read that and you may think, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to bless those who harm me and mistreat me? Well, let's look at the attitude of this first. And there are five qualities here that Peter gives. Okay, these, these look... These are not natural for me. These are five supernatural qualities or qualities that are given to us by the Holy Spirit that we need the Spirit of God to work in us. You could think of it this way too. These are five qualities of Jesus Christ. And so this is so important. Before Peter ever tells us what to do in verse 9, he first deals with our hearts. That is so monumental. Before Peter ever tells us what to do in verse 9, he first deals with our hearts. And he says to us, right, to have unity of mind. Let me go through these words. Have unity of mind. This would be to have the same mindset. To be, um, you could write down harmonious. All right, think oneness. Think, think together. Pulling in the same direction. Like-minded. And then he says to have sympathy. That word there means to feel with somebody. I'm not insensitive. I'm caring. I feel with them. I'm ready to sympathize with those that are hurting. I'm ready to come alongside and, as the Bible says, weep with those who weep. I'm willing and ready to step in and care because I feel for you. The next would be brotherly love. And this here would be a family affection. I love people like a brother and a sister. It's a loyalty, it's a caring, it's a friendship, brotherly love. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and then he says and a, a tender heart. You could say here, tender hearted. All right, this is feeling well for other people, wanting good to come to other people. This shows itself in kindness, love, compassion. And then finally he says a humble mind. This would be a lowly mindset. This would be a a mindset that puts God first and then others before you. Listen, in a me-centered world, this might be the greatest virtue, right? To have a humble mind, to have a mindset that looks to the interests of other people before myself. So he says, have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. So before we ever get to the command in verse 9, let me ask you, As you look at that list, how's your heart? How's your heart? See, the Christian life works itself from the inside out, doesn't it? And so first, we want to look at our own hearts. That's what Peter does. And so take a moment to look over that list. None of us have these perfectly or in full, all right? And some of us might be closer to the empty gauge on the car. And so we need need to ask God to refill us to strengthen us in these. So take a look over the list and see which ones are you knocking out of the park and which ones would you say, God, would you please help grow me in this? Would you help grow me 
in these areas. These are the heart qualities of the Christian. And listen, you cannot live verse 9 without first growing in verse 8. All right, so we're asking God to work in our hearts. We can't live verse 9 without first growing in verse 8. Now verse 9. Here's the next heading or the next bullet point in your notes, and it's this, the action. The action. Okay, we got the attitude. We got the heart. Now the action. Are you ready? Let me read this again. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. This is quite a command. You could look at this as kind of a negative and a positive command. The negative would be what? Do not. Right? That's the negative. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But here's the positive now, the positive command. On the contrary, bless. So you got the negative and the positive. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on, but on the positive side, on the contrary to all that, bless. Now you've probably heard someone say to another this before, what did you do that for to me? And the reply, well, I guess we're even now. Peter's like, not like that. Not like that. Turn to your neighbor and say, not like that. Not like that. Instead, he's saying, when attacked, bless. When slandered, bless. When mistreated, bless. When cursed, bless. It's easy to type hashtag blessed at the, at the end of a, of a post or a tweet. It is a lot harder to actually be a blessing to those who are mistreating you, hurting you, attacking you, making life extremely difficult for you, specifically because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what, the audience that Peter writes to right here is suffering. All right, to put it in the context here so you see is that when Peter writes this letter, when he pens this, it would have been about 30 years after Jesus Christ died and rose again. Okay, what's going on with the Apostle Paul at this time as we think about persecution? When Peter pens this letter, Paul, about a year or two later from when he pens it, will be beheaded for his faith. There's massive persecution going on. There, the audience that Peter writes to is suffering under the insane Emperor Nero, who was brutal to Christians. Massive mistreatment. And so they were suffering. They were suffering big time. And now look, you may be suffering. You may come in here this morning and you have suffering in your life to some degree. Maybe in your workplace, because of your faith and stance for Jesus. Maybe in your own home. Maybe in the hallways of your school or college. Maybe, maybe in this world at some place and point there's suffering. Sometimes at the hands of those who you thought were friends or, or loved you. Maybe you could write a list right here on your notes of, of all of the mistreatment over the last year. Listen, with tears rolling down your face. The Christian life is not easy. And so when we look at this, this is quite a command. Do not repay, but bless. That's why all this flows from a heart for God controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because listen, this isn't natural for me at all. 
But this is the verse, and exhorts us to live to be a blessing and not to get even. And look, don't give up on this yet. Okay, Peter had to learn this too. If you remember Peter who walked with Jesus, look, at one point he cut off a guy's ear with his sword, okay? But he learned that there's a better way. So why would Peter want to do this now? Why would you be motivated to live this way? You, you may say, it's too hard, you may say. It's not fair, may be the cry. Well, there is a reason. That's your next bullet point. Go ahead and write that down, the reason. The reason. And the reason is, church, is that you and I are called to this. Do you see it there? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. For to this we were called. And so we are called to suffer like Jesus. We are called to respond to suffering like Jesus. We are called to follow him in everything, even in his suffering, even in his mistreatment. And so Jesus is all through this letter, as you can imagine. Think of the three years-ish that Peter had walking side by side with him, being with him. And so Jesus runs all through Peter's letter. In fact, if you look just back one chapter to chapter 2 of 1 Peter, I want to read you something there and see how his thought flows from all of this idea of being called. Look at verse 19 of chapter 2. I'm going to start there. The reason is we were called. Peter says back in chapter 2 of the same letter, he says, this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if you, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? You see the persecution that was going on? But, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, look, he says, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, verse 21, for to this, you're going to want to underline this, for to this you have been, what's the word? Called. For to this you have been called because... Another reason. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you what? An example. He's our example. So that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22, what's the example? What did he do? Well, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Get it? Don't revile back. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself, right, this goal, he goes all the way to the point where he, it says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Stop there. You see what he does? He throws up Jesus as the ultimate example here. Jesus suffered and he calls us to live like him in the midst of our suffering. And Peter knows the Lord's heart on this. Like I said, he walked with him. And so Peter heard Jesus when Jesus said this shocking statement to his disciples, write down Luke 6, 32 to 36. You don't have to turn there. Luke 6, 32 to 36. You just heard what Peter said. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6. Under the listening ear of Peter. Verse 32, Jesus says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you, Jesus says? For even sinners do the same. But 
Love your enemies and do good. See it? And lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. See the blessed part? Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. He's like, you want to be like God? Do you want to follow Jesus' example? He said, then do this. Bless and don't repay. Bless and don't repay. Jesus is the ultimate example, right, of what Peter's giving us here. Jesus is the perfect example of what to do when people mistreat you, when people slander you, when people hurt you, when when you're mistreated, and maybe even someday, God forbid, but someday even sought to be killed for your faith. If anyone suffered unjustly, it was who? It was Jesus. If anyone was mistreated, it was Jesus. If anyone was slandered, it was Jesus Christ. If anyone had the absolute right to retaliate, it was Jesus. Remember what he said? Don't you think I could call upon my Father right now and he would send 12 legions of angels? This place would be torn apart, but power under control. What does he do instead? He does not repay back. He does not revile back. He weeps over the city that rejects him. On the cross, you remember, he says, Father, forgive them. What? For they, they don't know what they're doing. And, and ultimately, he dies for all of us who don't deserve it. How's that for on the contrary, bless? Don't repay evil for evil. On the contrary, bless. Jesus gives his life. Jesus lives his own advice here. Jesus, God himself, instead of coming and repaying me and giving me what I deserve, he instead blesses me by dying on the cross for me, even when I was his enemy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So Peter says, look, you're not above Jesus. Live like that now, he's exhorting these Christians in the midst of all of this difficult persecution. He's your example. Jesus Christ To this you were called. And church, I was thinking that just maybe, just maybe, have we ever thought that more people, right, because of our mercy and grace and patience and forgiveness, in the midst of of suffering and unjust treatment, that just maybe more people would begin to see a difference in us and seek Jesus Christ. That just maybe as we respond like that, that God would use that in such a powerful way. We're called to imitate Jesus Christ, to follow him, to to, to respond as he did in suffering. And listen, I want to say this to you, and I'm going to read you one more passage that goes with this. You can trust God to handle all of your problems. Every one of them. Because this passage sounds a lot to me. You talk about the thread running through the New Testament. Write down Romans 12, 17 to 21. Romans 12, 17 to 21. Look, we, we heard what Jesus said in Luke 6. We're learning what Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 3. Listen to what Paul says. See how this all goes together. This is great. Verse 17, ready? Repay no one evil for evil. Have I heard that before? (laughs) Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Verse 19, behold, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, right? He can handle all of our problems. I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, to the contrary, remember Peter said, on the contrary, bless. Paul says, to the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Back to Peter. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called. Think right now of your worst mistreatment. Think of the hardest people problem, the hardest difficulty, the hardest opposition, the hardest persecution in your life over the last year. Take a moment. Think about it. Now these verses that I just read for all of us, thank God for his word. These verses should be so freeing to you. Because God says, I'm going to let you off the hook on this one. I'm going to free you up. You could just hand those to me. You you could trust me with that. You don't have to go out and seek to repay. I'll, I'll handle that. It's not in your job description. I'll take that for you. And I'll deal with that perfectly. You can surrender it and trust it to me. And as you do that, that's going to give you the ability and free you up to do what? To bless. You ever notice that when we try to handle things, we make it a little bit or sometimes a lot worse? God says, I'll handle it. You're freed up to bless. I've got it. And here's the thing. God is not indifferent to your suffering as his child. God is not indifferent to the evil and the suffering that happens in this world. God is just, and God will handle it. In his timing, in his perfect ways, he will handle it. And I say that knowing there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain in this world. In fact, I wrote this down, this statement, as I was reflecting on this for me. As I was thinking about all the pain in this life, all the persecution in this life, all the opposition and the mistreatment that comes to you and to me and all of the believers, listen, for all time, all over this world that was and will be, and I just wrote down my prayer for God's justice for me in an unjust world may have a giant wait for now sign attached to it, but it will be answered by my sovereign white horse rider who will ride on back to town and deliver the, now I'll answer that personally, and I will bring justice speedily, for behold, I am coming, and I am faithful, and I am true. God's justice, as you look around, man, God's justice will be delivered. Listen, by God, by God, your job description, my job description, bless and pray and do good, church, for to this we were called. And God, help us in this. God, help us. And maybe as a result of the message here this morning, maybe you have to backtrack. Maybe there's been some mistreatment, some things that you've dished out that you need to go back and make things right on. Do that. 
Watch God bless you because, listen, there's a promise attached to this now. This is great. Are you seeing the context kind of come together? The attitude, this flows from my heart. The action, do not repay but bless. The reason, because Jesus is my example and motivation. Fourth bullet point, the promise. The promise. Fourth bullet point. I'm just going to say just a sentence or two here and then I'll wrap it all with the next bullet point. But it says, do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. That you may obtain a blessing. God gives you a promise here. Bless and you'll be blessed. That you may obtain, it says, a blessing. And all I want to simply say is that God faithfully directs his hand of blessing to those who follow him on this, to those who imitate him on this, to those who honor this choice to imitate his example. And those blessings can come in many ways. Yes, the later, the rewards in heaven, but listen, also the here and now, all right? The the spiritual and relational enjoyment with God right now. Because look down at verses 10 to 12. And this is my last heading for you. I'm going to wrap this into this. It's the fifth bullet point, and it's this, the support. The support. This is your last bullet point in your notes. And I want to read to you verses 10 to 12 because verse 9 flows into that. Four is a connecting word. So it says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For... Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So what Peter does here is he connects verse 9 and 10, is he's giving support of all that he just said by using the Old Testament. Write down in the margin of your notes or in your Bible, Psalm 34, 12 to 16. That's actually what he's quoting here in verses 10 to 12. Psalm 34, verses 12 to 16. This is a psalm of David when David was mistreated. And so you see how Peter uses this as support to show the promise of blessing that we get when we bless instead of repay, instead of revile. He's like, look. Do you want to have the blessing of good days? Look at verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Do you want God's ear open to your prayer? Do you want God's eyes to be upon you? Drop down to verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer. Then he says, do this. Verse 10. Keep your tongue from evil. Get it? Don't revile back. And verse 11, he says, now turn away from evil. Get it? Don't repay evil for evil. Turn away from it. Instead, verse 11, he says, do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. You get it? Bless. Do good. Because the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 12. He uses this psalm to support all that he just said and how all this truth goes together. This passage is so awesome. And I love how the Bible puts itself together in a way that we can understand. It's so powerful for us to see it. And so it's like, how do I live 
to be a blessing and not to harm other people, not to get even. How would I live like that? Well, it starts, remember, with my heart for God. It's about my heart to love God and to love other people, to even, God help me, love my enemies. And I do that now by obeying God's commands to not repay and get even, but instead to bless. Why would I want to do that? Because Jesus did it. And I follow him in all things, even in his suffering. And when I do that, God promises a blessing to me. God is pleased and God will reward me. And God can handle all my people problems. Look, even King David knew it. To do good and let God handle all of my problems. Listen, church, in all of this, this is how we shine. This is how we show off Jesus Christ, even in this. This is how we lift him up and show him off to this world. God uses this in our lives at times to cause others to look through past us and up to God, the same God that we are trusting in and waiting for. Your life Man, it becomes like a beautiful looking diamond set tall and high, mounted on a ring, shining for him as we suffer in this way. You know, back in 2006, I was a high school pastor, and um, one of the things we did each year was this thing called the leader hunt. And uh, we would go to Woodfield Mall, which is in Schaumburg, it was this huge mall, and all the leaders, so Stacy and I and all the leaders that worked with me would go to the mall and we begin to walk around, kind of blend in. The students would then come later in the afternoon and try to find us. It was like a, a big game of hide and seek. It was a leader hunt. It sounds ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun. The kids loved it. And uh, we had a blast and then we'd go out to dinner together. One of the things that was fun for us as leaders is we would actually dress up in costume. Right, because we did not want them to find us, so we would dress up in costume and walk around to kind of blend in a little bit. And so one year, I can remember Stacy went as a mall walker, and uh, she had all the outfit on, was walking around, and I dressed up as an elderly man, so I had a wig and a cane and the whole outfit. We looked together, walking together, pretty creepy. We got some stairs, an elderly man and a 28-year-old mall walker. Um, <laughs> but man, we had a blast, and uh, the kids loved it. They kind of search for us, and uh, the, the, the prize for the best costume, man, I looked for pictures all week. I could not find it. It's probably good that I didn't. But my friend Bjorn Johnson shaved off all of the hair on his head and glued it on his face like a giant mustache. <laughs> I mean, this guy was in for high school ministry. Um, anyways, the goal in the midst of all this was to blend in, right? To, to kind of blend, right? That's why we dressed up that way, to look different so that no one could notice us, to look different so that no one could spot us. Peter says just the opposite to us as Christian. He's Christians. He's like, yes, look different. Look like Jesus Christ. But do that so that they can notice you. Do that so that they can see the God behind it. Do that so that they can spot you out of the crowd. Look, listen, our goal isn't to blend, it's to shine as Christians, shine bright. And one way we shine is when we live like this to be a blessing and not to get even. And so let me ask you, how are you doing with mistreatment? How's it going with the bless and not repay? 
How's it going with them? I'm going to let God handle that. He's big enough. He sees it all. I can trust him. And not attack and retaliate and control. Take matters in your own hands. Our life standing out for God. That's the live it part. Now let's look at the share it. Point two. Honor Christ and be prepared to give an answer for your hope in him with gentleness and respect. This point's going to be a little bit shorter than point one. There's a number of things I want to say here. There's, there's many repeated themes, as you can imagine, as you walk through all this. And really, there are two things that are going to happen when you live this way for God. As you bless and you don't retaliate, you don't repay, you don't revile back, two things are going to happen. Either you will suffer unjustly, still under God's sovereign care, amen, and God will reward you. Or, everybody say or, this could be an and or, people will start asking you why you have this hope in you when you live this way. It's like, why? Why would you live like this? What? And you get to tell the world about Jesus Christ. And so let me read through these verses and then I'm just going to share a few practical thoughts on sharing our faith to finish the message. Look at verse 13 now of 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. This is a rhetorical question. Who's there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Peter wants his readers to know that under normal circumstances, when you're eager to do good, shouldn't expect harm to come your way. But circumstances aren't always normal for a believer. We can face a lot of opposition and persecution because we follow Jesus Christ. So if you do suffer, he's saying, while doing good, he's like, don't be troubled. Write this down. Consider yourself blessed. Consider yourself blessed. Even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. I'm going to skip verse 15 and come back to it at the end. Verse 16 and 17 having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, there's that phrase again, it's better for, to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than by doing evil. He's saying, look, no regrets. When you suffer, maintain your testimony. Keep a clear conscience. Don't sin back. Don't whack back. You don't want to look back and see a wake of all the mistreatment that you left behind as well. And so instead, he says, just keep doing good, verse 17. Just keep doing good. In fact, the phrase do good is used about seven times in this letter. So your obedience to Jesus always equals blessing, but you know what else you may get is opportunities to share your faith. I mean, anybody can live like the world, but when we live different, opportunities come. So look at verse 15, tucked in the middle here now, I want to read this. He says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, verse 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, 
yet do it with gentleness and respect. How, how does someone see my hope? How does somebody know that I have hope? Hope is invisible. They see it through my life. They see it by the way I act. They see it by the words that I use and don't use. Look, here it is. The crisis creates the opportunity for the witness. The crisis creates the opportunity for the witness. So you want to be ready always when you live this way because some people may start asking you then about why you would even have this hope in you and we then get to tell the world about Christ, which is what we want. And listen, I want you to know, this should be encouraging news to you. This is encouraging for every Christian because listen, it's not asking us to give a a defense of the doctrine of the Trinity. Don't be scared away from this. It's, it's, It's kind of more like this. What's the reason that you have this hope in you. I would have snapped by now with all this mistreatment. I just don't understand. How could you possibly have hope in all of this hopeless situation around you? Ready? Because of Jesus Christ. Because he's my Lord and Savior. That's my hope. Because of Christ. Listen, because Jesus came and because Jesus died and because Jesus rose again and because Jesus saved me from all of my sins, Listen, because Jesus reigns, and because Jesus is returning, and because Jesus is always with me, and because Jesus is big enough to handle all of my problems, I can trust him, and he's big enough to handle all my trials, and he's big enough to handle all my enemies. I trust God, and listen, you can too. I don't think Peter is trying to make this overly complicated. I just need to be bold and bear witness and give testimony of my hope, who God is and what he's done for me, and this is why I live this way. I wrote this down. I share my hope, I share my God, and I do it with gentleness and respect. I'm not bludgeoning people with it. Let's just share our hope and share our God and do it with gentleness and respect and leave the results to God. He'll take care of it. You might have opportunities this week. Thanksgiving, the family and friends that God might bring about. I share my hope, I share my God, I do it with gentleness and respect and love. Another way to say it, I wrote this down, you've heard us say it like this a lot, I, I share the ABCs of the gospel. That, that, that A, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I'm a sinner, that I'm not perfect, that I need God's forgiveness, that all of us do. And B, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he's God alone, that he came, he died in my place on the cross. He rose again. He's coming again. And see, I have confessed him as the Lord of my life. He is my hope. He is my great hope, and he can be yours too. Do you want to put your stake in the ground today and trust in Jesus Christ? In fact, as a reminder in my prayer this week, I just put this little graphic together. If you could throw that up on the screen. Just a spot for you to put your name And then just really verse 15, just Mark, this is my prayer and my my reminder. Mark, you write your name in. Always be ready for opportunities to boldly share my hope of Jesus Christ. Do this with love, gentleness, and respect because God wants to use me in his plans to save the lost. My prayer, Mark, always be ready for opportunities to boldly share my hope of Jesus Christ. Do this with love, gentleness, and respect because God wants to use me in his plans to save the lost. 
I finish with this. I, you know, you've, probably all of us have heard the story of the sinking of the Titanic. And maybe you've read about it in a history book or went online and saw pictures and things and read captions. Or maybe you saw the movie by James Cameron. Maybe you, like my family, we went to the Peoria uh, Museum and we saw the Titanic exhibit a few years back when it was here. And, uh, you know, one of the things in the most, one of the most tragic accidents, one of the hardest things is the fact that the 20 lifeboats that were launched that day, right, which weren't enough for everybody on the ship, but even the 20 that were launched weren't even close to filled to capacity. And uh, one of the saddest things and the most tragic things is that for whatever reason, right, the people that were in the boats didn't turn the boats back. They weren't willing to turn back to, to go rescue those who were going to die in the icy ocean. Listen, hear me now. As Christians who are, who are foreigners and strangers in this land, who are waiting for Jesus Christ to come back and to take us home, waiting for that time. Listen, let's be those who are willing to turn the boats back. Let's be those who are willing to turn the boats back, to willing to witness courageously and to seek to be a voice of rescue to those who are sinking apart from Jesus Christ. Let's just be ready for every opportunity to speak up, to, to gently share of our faith and our hope respectfully in love, to speak up to those who are headed for a sure death apart from Jesus Christ. Listen, the only God and Savior of the world. Always be ready for opportunities to boldly share my hope of Jesus Christ. Do this with love, gentleness, and respect because God wants to use me in his plans to save the lost. Live it, share it. Live it even in suffering. Share it as God gives opportunity. Let's pray together.